0: Alrighty guys, welcome everyone to the fourth ever episode of the College Crypto Podcast. I'd like to thank my co-host today, Ilan, and Hunting, though he's not here, he's with us in spirit. I know you've also got the one and amazing Ruby with us here today. How are
1: we? I'm good. How are you guys?
0: Absolutely vibing, vibing. I feel like the first thing to start off with, everyone knows, or oh, everyone, you'll know about us, and I, and a bit of Hunter, but Ruby, what are you doing here?
1: Um, So I'm a uni student with you guys, and we all know each other, and we're all friends. And so I guess I got a bit bored in lockdown, and I was like, I was on a run one day, and I was like, you know what, I'll have a listen to the boys podcast, I'll give it a go. I started listening on my run, and I thought, whoa, like, this crypto thing, it's not just randoms popping up in my DMs, like... It's actually, it's actually quite interesting. So I think I, yeah, I started listening and then I asked our good friend Miranda to add me to the group chat. And yeah, I've sort of gone from there and I've started investing a little bit in crypto and I've got some in micro investing too, but that's irrelevant to the crypto game. But yeah, no, I started a little bit. I've got a little bit in, like in a few different sort of cryptocurrencies and I'm really enjoying it and finding it very interesting. And it's just a little hobby for me right now, but could probably turn into something a bit bigger. Yeah,
0: when you saying you're enjoying awesome. it, is this because of the gains or just because of the technology behind it? What are we talking about?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you and I have already talked about this, I guess, from like the sociological and anthropological perspective of crypto too. It's such an interesting phenomenon. Um, has gained a lot of traction given sort of the mistrust in the banking system. And I guess, you know, it was born in 2008, 2009 when obviously we all know what happened then the GFC and we don't know obviously if the founder was thinking about that but I guess the amount of popularity that it's gained is very indicative of the fact that the traditional banking system is failing us and it's not it's not failing us but it's getting to that point where people are looking for alternatives so I think like i found that really interesting and yeah just all the amazing technology behind it like blockchain technology is just phenomenal and it's such a paradigm shift from what we've gone to and I guess something that stuck with me is I was watching a video of the New Yorker a few weeks ago and they were going around saying what do you wish your 20 year old self had done and this guy said I wish I bought stocks in Google and that's really that really stuck with me and that's what I always think about when I'm buying crypto I'm like I wish I bought stocks in Google so yeah I guess that's what has like led me to be super interested in it and that's my little hobby awesome that's
2: awesome and for listeners like what we want to cover today is basically taking a step back and recentering ourselves and introducing to people who are new to crypto, how to get started and why we're investing and how to invest and all all the nitty gritty things that we may not have covered in huge detail in previous episodes. So maybe we should start with why invest in the first place, not even just in crypto, why invest? So I'm interested in first for in your reasons, Ruby, like like even before crypto what 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 got you into investing
1: yeah so i've always been really interested in investing for some reason like ever since i was in high school i've i really wanted to do it and i guess i i was just always quite scared it's quite like intimidating when it's your money and you've worked really hard for it and I also think that I was also very intimidated by the demographic of people who were investing and I was quite I I think that there's like a definite sort of sense of esotericism around who can invest and who can know about investing and that kind of thing but but to be honest it's just common it, it should be common knowledge it's great I had a gap year last year and I was supposed to go overseas but I just worked a lot obviously because of COVID I couldn't go overseas and saved up all of this money. And I got into lockdown and I was just thinking about it and I was going, you know what? That is sitting in my bank getting like 0.5% interest, which is absolutely nothing. And I was just like, I'm so sick of this. I've been thinking about this for so long. And then I listened to your podcast and I listened to like a whole heap of podcasts, reading books and that kind of thing about investing. And I just thought, you know what? It's either gonna sit there and get absolutely nothing added on to it or I could just take a bit of a risk and you know give it a go and I think like what I found with crypto is like it can be a short-term thing but it can also be a very long-term sort of investment so yeah I I think that's why I got involved in it and I think for young people in particular it's really important to have that sort of sense of financial literacy when you're younger I think especially in the current market that we're in with housing and property and stuff like that I think it's just it's going to be very hard for us so I think it's important to start young. <laughs>
0: yeah, without a doubt. Like you mentioned, like how you basically the top 1% just get richer because they know how to invest and no one else does. So that's one thing that's really interesting with crypto just because you can actually have 10, 100x gains without it being a scam. Like you, you said, how you got scams in your DM saying, send me Bitcoin, send me Bitcoin, i sent send you two back. But that's the weird thing with crypto is so you can actually put in a dollar and get back a hundred. Of course, you're not going to do that every single time, I wish. Otherwise, I'd be printing money. But <laughs> yeah, it happens. Yeah, I think that's awesome. So like really getting investing was it because like you're looking for a financial gain? Or was like a long-term thing Were you just looking to like make a quick buck?
1: I I think like for me, my kind of end goal was always like I want to buy a house by X, Y, Z age because that's just like how my parents did it and that's how my parents invested. And I guess the house ideal as an investment property kind of thing is that's just what people do. And I think I had it as a like I had that I have that as a long-term goal but I think that I've really started to realize that if I continue if I keep on the ball with crypto and I keep up with the trends and what's going on it can actually turn into a source of income for me but I guess yeah so I think that is why I wanted to do that and I've also started micro investing because that is just like a little bit less volatile in crypto (laughs) um just a little yeah just a little bit (laughs) Yeah, well, um. But yeah, no, I think if I keep my crypto for long enough, hopefully I'll have a bit of a sum that'll help me um, buy a house potentially. But I might also just keep on doing crypto and not buy a house at all, depending on what happens.
2: <laughs> That's awesome. For listeners who don't know, microinvesting is basically basically these companies that break up in de- indices into very small parts. So an index might just be like a basket of different stocks. So for example, in Australia, we have the AXX200 which is the top 200 companies on the Australian stock market. Or in the US, we have the S&P 500, which is the 500 of the biggest US companies. And and you can have any kind of like selection of these kind of baskets of stocks. But traditionally, the buy-in is usually quite high. So you take this basket of stocks and then break it up into smaller pieces. With micro-investing, you're breaking it up into really small pieces so that you can invest any amount you like so which one of these do you use do you use like a su- uh, spaceship or
1: yeah so I've got a spaceship portfolio and I think that mine is called the universe portfolio so when you go to spaceship you get three different choices there's one which is the classic 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 companies to invest in so it's like BHP Qantas all that kind of thing whereas mine universe is Things like Live360, Tesla, like all of like the very innovative sort of an up and coming like technology. So it's a lot about that kind of thing. And then I think there's an Earth portfolio too, which I'm thinking about starting one too, because it's environmentally friendly companies and things that are doing like really good initiatives for the environment. And I guess in crypto, crypto and micro investing in some ways are, are a little bit similar, I think, because with crypto, you don't have to, as you said before, you don't have to buy the whole stock you can buy a little bit of Bitcoin. And so I think, yeah, that, that really appealed to me that I can have a little bit of everything. It's not too, it's not if something goes wrong in one stock, I can, I'm screwed. But yeah, with Micro, I really like that it's quite diversified.
2: That's all. Yeah. Well, I, I think one of the, the big um, misconceptions that I, I first hear is, oh, one, one Bitcoin is like 60,000 Australian dollars. Like, how can anyone afford that? It's, it's just a dollar is divisible into 100 units. A Bitcoin is divisible into 100 million units. And an Ether, so like Ethereum, is divisible into a, a billions of a billion. So like you can buy like a fraction of a cent worth of these currencies. So it's, very, it's got a very low entry bar. I might just spend a bit of time like, explaining the, what I think is the big why behind investing. And obviously, everyone has their personal reasons. But basically, as kids, we're taught to save money, put a dollar into our piggy bank and then eventually we'll have enough to buy this or that. But this becomes really hard when you you account for things like inflation. You say you want to buy a house. Now, the inflation rate typically is about 2%. So inflation is basically, the central banks is printing more money at a faster rate than you have resources being produced. For example, if the rate of money printed is greater than the amount of new houses or the amount of food, that, that we're producing as a society, then everything just keeps becoming more expensive. So this is a real problem if I'm just saving money and just stashing it under my bed or in a bank account, which is yielding me like 0.5. Because in terms of the real rate, the, the money is basically being eaten away. It's like putting your money in a room and then rats are eating it away. Yeah, just not eating it away. Like if you look at the US... of the US dollars in existence were printed in the last 12 months. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty nuts. It's it's pretty nuts. Yeah, so like in contrast, if you have the money in an investment asset, so for example, if I have it in a stock or if I have a piece of real estate or if if I have it in crypto, then that tends to increase faster than the rate of inflation because even though you have more money, um, there's more money... Like competing for those investment assets and so that that thing is is buoyed by inflation and also when you're investing in like a company when you're owning a piece of a company the success and growth of that company gets valued into the stock so like the these companies are growing at a faster rate than the rate of inflation because they're producing more things and they're creating more value to customers so that's kind of what i think is the big picture behind investing basically allowing you to build wealth in a sustainable and realistic way and i think if i could
0: follow on and include one of my analogies because we know i am a huge fan of analogies whether it's the bus i use pokemon cards i'm going to go back to the Pokemon cards so you like you know for pokemon cards it's like they keep printing like every single year there's going to be more and more pokemon cards printed so it's not like there's only been 100 in existence or there only ever will be 100 like each year there's like millions that are printed but why are they still so valuable? It's because the demand for Pokemon cards keeps increasing. There's more and more kids that like love Pokemon just as much as like me with like 15 years ago. So that's always been there. So that's the thing with inflation. It's like, sure, you can print more money, but only if the demand is still there. And then suddenly if you like stop printing cards then they're going to become more and more um, valuable because the demand's increasing and the supply is constant. So some really, I don't know. I like to use Pokemon cards because I can't really, I don't really care about the US dollar,
2: but it's a nice, uh, yeah. Reminds me of how it works. Yeah, for sure, Ruby. I'm I'm sure you've got some got some questions. So, fire away.
1: Yeah, awesome. I guess something that I really like it. it now, in retrospect, I go, oh my gosh, that's such a like not a silly question, but it's just such like a noob question. I actually asked this to Hunter. I sent Hunter a message and I said do I need to know how to code to buy crypto and be into crypto and whatever? And he was like, oh, so I guess like that was my first question. But that sort of leads me to how do you start in crypto? How, what platforms do you use? I use Digital Surge on advice from Eamon, but what platforms are best to use? What are the different benefits and I guess downfalls of each? And how, how do I start pretty much?
2: Yeah, Digital Surge is a, is a good one if you're in Australia. I, I personally like it. But so basically you you start with an exchange. So an exchange is a place where you can swap between fiat, which is like normal money. And crypto and then also between crypto and crypto ftx is great amen loves ftx is very good for trading i'd say probably the easiest one it's if, if you're a full-on trader like you need to use
0: ftx like there's just no other competitor like without a doubt but for literally every single else every single other person in the world definitely use coinbase it's just the easiest thing it's fully i think it's like almost global like it's often in more than 100 countries digital search is probably the best aussie option but yeah like how to start you literally convert your aussie dollars into your bank account you convert it to Bitcoin, like however much you want. It doesn't have to be a whole Bitcoin. It can be one millionth of one if you want. And yeah, so like that's probably the easiest way. And I think Ruby had some questions about dollar cost averaging in as well. Is that right?
1: Yes. I guess what is dollar cost averaging and how does it work in terms of Bitcoin and crypto and all of those things?
2: I, I think it glances on a, a big investment question, which is like how, how do we choose projects and, and like when do we invest? What, what's a good time to invest? So if, if you're taking a long term view about crypto and where it's going, if, if, you're, if you're committed like, I think anyone who spends the time to understand crypto and you don't need a computer science degree, right? You, like I, I, ha- I study like biology. I was, I've been fully keen on going to medicine and I, I didn't know that much about computer science, but all, all I started basically understanding the macro concepts. So what's the big picture here? You don't need to understand how a hash function works. You don't need to understand the architecture of these systems. It's just like the internet, right? Like not many people understand uh, TCPIP, which is one of the like foundational architectures of the internet. But we all intuitively understand the value of the internet. Like you don't need so, to understand why
0: Facebook went down to understand like how the internet works. Like we just use it anyway without understanding what the hell is happening in the background.
2: Yeah, that's right. And obviously we've we've spoken a lot about what we think is the value of crypto in previous episodes. But yeah, so. Once you understand that, you have this long-term thesis. So I believe Ethereum is going to be this new operating system that is going to form the be like a platform for a huge amount of decentralized applications and all, all that jazz. So you have that thesis. And then you you want to decide when to buy in. Well, dollar cost averaging is basically saying I'm buying a bit today, I might buy a bit tomorrow or next week. I'm just going to keep buying in consistent intervals, like portion a piece of every paycheck into something like Ethereum or or the crypto you're invested in. Now, you could do this all in a lump sum. So you could just go all in on a specific time. And to be honest, in the the long run, it doesn't make a huge difference. But dollar cost averaging is nice to build some conviction in what you own. If if you just decide tomorrow to buy into some crypto, the next day, if it goes down, you, you might be like, doubting yourself and feeling anxious, right? Oh, I just put so much money into this. But if you put in a bit today or put in 30, 40 percent today, and then after that keep buying buying little bits and pieces, then you have time to think about it. You have time to adjust your mind to the idea that you're committed to this. And and also it doesn't make you feel bad if the price goes down. Because if the price goes down, then you're basically buying at a lower price. You're buying at a discount to what what you bought before. And if the price goes up, then you've already made a gain. So it's like a win-win psychological situation.
0: Without a doubt. And like if you're, basically you only lump sum invest, which is the opposite of dollar cost average. If you just put all your cash in at once, you're betting that's the bottom. And so maybe, I don't know, maybe you want to do some chart analysis or you want to just look at the market center and just bet that that's the absolute bottom. That's incredibly hard to do. And so like Glenn said, like if you put all your money in and it goes down, you don't have any more to put in at the lower price. And instead you only like, you're only feeling happy if it goes up. Meanwhile, for dollar cost averaging, it's good regardless of what happens. Because if you put some money in and it goes up 10%, you're like, I should put more money in, but let's just put some in. And then you just keep adding it in over time. But then if it goes down, you're like, hey, this is good. Now I have more money to put in at a lower price. So either way, it's a win-win situation. Like, of course, you could have made more by timing exactly the bottom, but good luck doing that. That'd be nice. <laughs> That'd be nice.
1: I guess like a good example of this is like, when I first bought crypto, which is like a month ago or so now, I bought a... And then the next day, it, it had gone down like 4%. And I freaked out. And I was like, oh, my yeah. God. And then I said to Aime and I was like, oh, my God, it's down. What do I do? And he was like, Ruby, it's crypto. It goes up and down all the time. 4% is nothing. I'm gonna
0: say, <laughs> so I was going to say, 4% of yeah, the stock market is like a Black Swan event. 4% of the crypto markets are Monday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's, that actually brings us to, I think, a, a big issue that people have with crypto, which is volatility. So for those who don't know anything about finance, volatility just means it just it goes up and down a lot. Crypto is known to be very volatile, like going down 10%, that's like a passing cloud. It happens every now and again, it happens every few weeks. During like a downturn, it goes down like 30, 40, 50% or more. Like during a really big crash, it can go down that far. But like anyone who's seen the charts will know that if you kind of ride out that huge amount of volatility, you end up reaping the gains of that. But... Like when you're looking in a short period of time when you've just invested and it goes down 10%, that's to a new investor, that's really scary. But I think I can explain why there's volatility. So imagine you, you've invested or you're a trader and, and you put money into the S&P 500, right? Now the S&P 500 goes up around 10% a year. So maybe in a month, on average, it might go up like 1% or 2%. Now you're not going to be inclined to take a profit when your thing is up 1% or 2%. Okay, like it's just not that exciting. Whereas with crypto, the whole space is growing so fast. Like we're talking about the 3x on average every year, right? That like all these traders trying to make money. Some, a crypto might go up like 200% in a month. And then everyone's trying to time, all the traders, all the short-term people in the market are trying to time when they take profits. And when somebody takes a big profit, all of them jump on the wagon and all of them take profits and that causes a big fallout. And so that's what causes a lot of volatility. And then there's another reason, which is that a lot of people don't understand crypto, right? One of the reasons that we, we exist, the main reason that we exist is to help educate people like about why crypto is valuable, what's the whole point of crypto. And with a lot of these projects, it's not clear... There's no consensus, no, no full agreement as to how much a, a protocol or a project should be worth. Like how much should Ethereum be worth? I personally think it's, it's worth like trillions of dollars, even at this, at this stage. But you may disagree with me. So the fact that there is no like universal agreement means that prices can move a lot. It's not like I'm invested in Commonwealth Bank and it's paying out like a 3-4% dividend. And then if the price drops too much, I can say... Oh, this by a discounted cash flow. I'll say that this is worth this much. That that this is such a new space that those that kind of thinking isn't well. Definitely, and I think at the heart of the issue, like just like
0: Alan mentioned, like there isn't really a known way of how to value cryptocurrency. That's that doesn't exist yet. So no one really knows what to do. So that's one thing. But I think the biggest thing is probably, it's really valuable to think about is like just the psychology behind it. Just because if, when it goes up, you really want to buy more because like pumping up, pumping up, pumping up and everyone just rushes in. And then once it falls, because like newbie investors, they have no idea what to do. So they just sell out because, oh, it's red and like they're terrified.
2: Yeah. Like I'd say, I say that there is, I think there are very interesting ways to value crypto and very reasonable ones. We'll probably talk, to, talk about this another time, but Ethereum, for example, with staking will have cash flows it will be able to generate revenue to its holders. Axie Infinity, if you hold the AXS token, you get the revenues from that game. And then you can think about how to value commodities and things like that. So I think that there will be like very reasonable ways to value it. It's just that people haven't really thought about it or agreed on it yet. Yeah, okay. I think Ruby, you had a question.
1: What sort of like when I started out with crypto in my first sort of few weeks, I was really thinking about it. And I know Eamon loves an analogy and so do I. And so I guess something that like, I it really struck me as was that it's a real like culture of virality things going viral which I guess is just so symptomatic of the age of social media and that kind of thing but of course crypto is a completely different thing but I guess like what sort of I drew it to a comparison to which it in retrospect I don't think is completely true but it's like in Instagram influencers, for example, this is how I thought about it. There are there's so many different influencers, so so many different cryptocurrencies, and they're all producing content that's a little bit different. But only a few get quite popular, and I guess so. It's there's this sort of sense of traction where people start talking about one influencer or crypto, and then they get really popular. And I guess I I wonder that sort of leads me to the question: What makes a crypto popular? What makes something very popular? Like Eamon said to me the other day, like, you know, Elon Musk could just put a tweet out and one crypto could go off. So I guess, like, what makes a crypto popular and what makes it a good decision to invest in?
0: Before I think Alana actually answered the question properly, I will just chime in and say that when Elon Musk, like, first posted about Doge, if you look at the charts in the next, in the five minutes after Elon Musk posted, literally, I think it was a meme about Doge and just included, like, a link to the Dogecoin. I think it went. It was definitely more than 10%. I think it was maybe like 15%. So it was like $20 million that were added into the market within the span of 20 minutes purely because of a one tweet, which uh, is crazy to think about. But Alain, take it away.
2: Yeah. And that's really just an indication of how, well, if I were to use like an investment or financial term, it would be the market is inefficient. So it doesn't very rationally price the the value of projects. So there's a big discrepancy between price and value, right? Because like I said, not many people understand like how many people like un- would be able to explain how Ethereum works. The answer is not many. Whereas like a lot of people just trying to make some money and piling their money into something like Dogecoin because, you know, the meme. There are a lot of cryptos, I think, like Cardano that are very popular but don't actually have a lot of value. So for, for example, Cardano is I think it's valued at almost a hundred billion dollars, but it hasn't built a single decentralized application right it, it only introduced like the working the foundation it's it's like a like a foundation with no house built on top but they did a really great job in marketing, and so many people when they first get in crypto first hear about cardano and buy into that. but as investors, we want to be able to tell the signal from the noise we want to you know see beyond all the hype and all the like marketing and random information and tweets being thrown around, and we want to see, we want to ask ourselves, what has long term value? What what is actually really important and powerful in this space? But for me, th- this is my thesis, right? So like a platform like Ethereum, which is like a foundation for all these apps that have already been built around on it. So like over three thousand applications and so many great project currently exists on Ethereum, that has a really strong value proposition because it's almost like you're buying into something that's already diversified. It's like you're in the 1990s and the internet was just born. And then companies like Amazon and Apple are are, are just starting. And you're able to buy a company called Internet Co. And this company like owns a piece of all of these innovations. That's Ethereum because Ethereum captures the value of all of that, like a little bit. So that, to me, that's like the kind of thinking we need in investing. have listening to like the Enlightened, there's like a really good podcast called Bankless that does a lot of really um, in-depth analysis. It's, it's a, a step up from what we do. Like it's not, we try to cater to like fully newcomers. But once, once you learn the basics, basically, definitely check out those resources. They do a, a lot of great work on that. Basically understanding long-term value.
0: Uh, I think even going back to Ruby's original question, like realistically, what makes a project go popular? It's really two reasons. One is that the technology is actually being used. It's actually like a good technology, like Ethereum. Like the reason why it's so popular is because so many apps are built on it. So that's pretty obvious. One, like it's actually got utility. And two, it's just, it's good marketing and it's got hype. Like Cardano, huge hype. SafeMoon, huge hype. Dogecoin, why is it above like most other good coins? Because it's got hype and it's got Elon Musk behind it. That's really it. And of course, that's the thing of cryptos because you've got so many newbie investors that are like, oh, I want to go up like a 1,000 X gains in two days. You can't do it in the stock market. So you get like these new 18, 20 year olds, which is like, absolutely legendary. Like, please do try it out. Go get in this market. But yeah, and then they just see whatever gets hype. And because they've like never done value investing before, they just, pile
2: their money into whatever has hype, which is like why Dogecoin pops off so well. Yeah, that's right. Like just having a bit of understanding in, in crypto, just understanding the basics is enough to get you ahead of 99% of the people in the market, right? That, that's the reason why, even though I don't have a computer science background, I realized how big an opportunity this was. Because I can tell you that the, the big, like the smart money, the people on Wall Street, they don't get it. Like most of the 99% of them don't understand what's going on. Some retail investors or retail just means people like you and I, some of them get it, but a lot of them don't. So once you understand a little bit, once you understand the basics, then you have a big edge on all the people that, that are just trying to make a quick buck in the market. Legendary. Yeah, I
1: think, sorry to interrupt you, Eamon. I think like something that I found really interesting about crypto is that when I came, like when I came into it, I was, just thinking about it as sort of short term investment, because I think that's how the media portrays it, because the media portrayed portrayed as this very volatile thing. But I think as you guys have discussed, like that volatility as sort of knowledge about crypto, um, I guess, is furthered. I, I think that volatility will really start to level out. And I think that it'll become a little bit more stable just as people learn about it a bit better. As you said, people get into it for a quick buck and don't actually understand it, which leads to a lot of the volatility. So I think like thinking about it in terms of short term and long term investing, I think is a really helpful tool for people to understand. Too. You also talked a lot about Ethereum and I know that Ethereum 2.0 is coming out next year. What is that about?
0: Maybe before Elon goes on a spiel, we could maybe leave Ethereum 2.0 for a whole other podcast because we could easily rent out about half an hour if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. We'll, we'll, do a,
2: we'll, we'll do a summary of it. Should I take it away? Yeah, more than I do. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm really glad you asked this question because Ethereum 2.0 is basically showing us what the next version of crypto is going to look like. So Ethereum 1.0 is basically based on this system called Proof of Work, it's also the same system that Bitcoin is based off. And the problem with Proof of Work is that it's very energy intensive. And it's also not very easy to do as like a normal person. Like everyone knows in the news, like Bitcoin's being, Bitcoin uses the energy consumption of what like country. And it's also pretty hard to run like a Bitcoin node. So if you want to help run the Bitcoin network, you basically have to have a lot of computing power. So you you can't really run it on the laptop. Well, you could try but you're not going to earn anything from it. You have to have this like really big, what's called a mining rig to help support the Bitcoin network. And Ethereum has been better. Like you can run an Ethereum kind of on on a much smaller device, but like energy consumption and those inefficiencies, is the problem of proof of work systems. With Ethereum 2.0, we're transitioning to something called proof of stake. So in proof of stake, basically we secure the network by having all the network nodes put in a small amount of money or not a small amount, actually a sizable amount. And those people, those are the people that validate transaction. So when, when I send money to to somebody, um, these validators make sure basically say, okay, this is the valid transaction. I record that and everything's okay. Now, With that stake, if I try to do anything dodgy, that money basically gets taken away from me. So it's a way to keep these validators accountable. Now, the great thing about this is that it's actually very energy efficient. So after Ethereum 2.0 rolls out, Ethereum will be 7,000 times more energy efficient than Bitcoin. So like basically all the issues with energy consumption is just going to disappear once Ethereum moves to proof of stake. Like we're talking about going from the size of a small country in terms of energy usage to that of a small town. Like it, it, it's just like all, all the ESG like emissions arguments apply only to proof of work systems. So I find that's going to be really exciting. Yeah. So essentially like Ethereum 2.0, there's really like three main,
0: three main things that make it really awesome. One is that it takes up way less energy because it is proof of stake, which is huge. And the second one is that the transaction fees are going to be way lower because right now they're like now and then they get pretty expensive like 100 150 bucks which is clearly not what you want when you're actually trying to use the currency every day of course there's already solutions around this but it's going to improve it much better and thirdly i don't have anything else so we'll just leave it at two but i think before we wrap up ruby do you want to like rapid fire a couple questions and we'll see if we can get to them within 30 45 seconds
1: yes what is bearish and bullish i know you guys talk a lot about that in our little group chat and i just when i first started crypto i didn't understand so that might help some other people
0: Bullish yeah. is when you hear Hunter say, let's go, right? So that's when the market is green. That's when the market is up. That is a good day. You are a bull. but all oh, like bullish is like a bullish market is like one that tends to go up over time. A bearish market is like something that gets lower and lower. The prices just decrease and decrease. So like there's a bull, which is like someone that always thinks that the market's going to be bullish and it's always going to go up. And then there's bears, which are currently extinct in crypto because none of them exist anymore. That, that just go, that thing that the market's going to go lower and lower every day, even though it really doesn't.
2: Yeah, it comes from the idea that a bull attacks by, like, lifting its horns up. So it, it, the idea is the price is going to go up. So basically an optimist, whereas a bear, like, when it strikes, its paw it strikes downwards, right? So it's when the market's going down. So that's why you hear, like, a bull market and a bear market. So a bull market is when every everyone's really hyped up, and a bear market is uh, when everyone's really scared, <laughs> basically. I had no idea. That's it.
1: So obviously, like, there's a lot of different coins on the market. Now, currently, I've got Ethereum, um, Axie and a bit of Bitcoin. On the recommendation from Yolan that I got Axie, thank you very much because I got it before it went crazy. So what are some other coins or what should I look for in a coin or in businesses? What should I look for when I'm thinking about investing in them?
0: I love how first of all like you were like looking at a line like so skeptically when you were saying those three i was like are you sure like were these the right questions were these the right coins now nah, let's let you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah when we go back to what we said like what makes a price of something go up or what makes a coin popular it's two reasons one it's either because it's hype or two it's because the product's good so like fundamentally that's what you got to look at either something that gets hype and of course that's a very short term right like dogecoin we're probably never going to even use dogecoin in 10 years if it does like please that'd be absolutely awesome but 99 likely that's not so that's not going to happen. So you either ride something off the hype that normally gets like it doesn't always, but typically gets higher uh rewards purely because everyone FOMO's in and FOMO's just like fear of missing out. So everyone just FOMO's in. Or you just actually buy something that you think is worthwhile, actually has a good technology. And now Solana, for example, like it was a great technology and only a few weeks, I think like just over a month ago, it suddenly popped up like four months, a four X in the span of a month. The technology didn't change. It's just people realized that the technology was always good. So I think that's one. I don't know, Alon, you can definitely add stuff on that. That was very brief, but like the summary.
2: <laughs> Look, if some people who are trying to make a quick buck will go into like high projects, like Shiba, Shiba coin, that that kind of stuff. And if you if you get out in time, like good on you. But like my philosophy and I think the safe and long-term philosophy is, is finding projects that like will have long-term value. So really long-term thinking. What if you think about what's going to be around and be really important in like three years' time or even less, like from now until for the next decade even. Like what has the quality to be able to succeed? Now, to break that down, I'd say that, well, like looking at the, the fundamental technology, so Ethereum being a platform or Axie Infinity being the first like NFT gaming thing. So like the pioneer, basically Axie is like, Tesla, but for electric vehicles, it's, it's really made showed everyone what was possible. And then another part is looking at the like who's behind it. You want an all star leadership team. So it's so like Do don't have an Elon Musk, right? Like that's perfect, isn't that? Is that all? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. I, I don't know if you've listened to Vitalik, but he's like, you know, he, he's clearly super, super smart. He's like a he's like a super nerd. Yeah. Or something like is like one of the co-founders of Ethereum, by the way, for those that don't know. What's yeah, up? that's right. Vitalik Buterin. Um, And I, I've read his blogs, I've listened to him. And it's just someone that I believe in. If you listen to the guy or girl and think, wow, this is such a smart visionary. This is someone that I would want to work for or like I would, you know, trust my life savings in. That's like the, the leadership quality you want. You know, before I invested in Axie Infinity, one of the key pieces of research I did was actually listen to some podcasts with one of its um, founders. His name is Jeffrey Zerlin, or his nickname is J Ho. But I was just so impressed by his vision. He was he's basically not someone who's just here to make a bit of money. He he those guys, they started in 2018 during the after the big crash, when basically everyone thought crypto was dead. And everyone everyone in their families was actually against the idea of them trying to make this crypto game to the extent that they actually moved from the US to Vietnam to basically start a new life. And they've obviously done a huge amount of work and experienced a huge amount of success afterwards. But basically, they were super committed and they had a long-term vision where they were like, you know, we're, we're trying to create a new space. And their ambitions actually... To create a gaming nation, so they want to have their own economy, they want to have like their own marketplaces, their own like social media, all of that, and it's just breathtaking to hear, hear them speak and hear them. actually
1: Axie, Axie, sorry to interrupt, but Axie is amazing because they're building, and I think it's also quite reflective of crypto within itself. Like they're building this global community which is completely independent of a governmental system kind of thing. Like they're creating their own governmental system, not like crypto is, but they're creating their own economy and they're creating their own rules kind of thing, which I, I think is just phenomenal, which is why I'm so interested in crypto and Axie and the whole thing.
2: Yeah, for sure. For sure. The, the technology, the founding team, like basically like how good the leadership is. And then the final point is market traction. Basically, it's hard to tell whether the product is really good until you see people, the customers really love it. So for example, with Axie, there are people in the Philippines when they sign up to Axie Infinity, their nickname is son of Jiho. So Jiho was that that growth lead that I had. So these people, you know, it's basically almost feels like a cult how much they love this game. And I wouldn't be surprised. Not only is it fun, but it's lifted people out of poverty. It's helped 60-year-old grandmas pay for their medicine. So it's palpable the amount of customer love that this game has generated. So, so this is market traction. When people really love a project, like in the non-crypto, we know companies like Apple, companies like Tesla. Think about how many people queued up outside of, outside of Apple stores when a new iPhone was released. Think about how many of those early Tesla lovers were just raving about their cars and how much they loved Tesla. That, that's what you want to see with any. With Ethereum, it's a bit different, right? So it's we're not the customers here aren't the investors, like the customers are actually the developers. So Ethereum is like a programming platform. So it's a place where programmers can come and build anything they want. And so who are the customers for that? They're the programmers. So we know that Ethereum has customer traction when we see that thousands of applications are being built on Ethereum. And when we go to like a developer conference and you just see you see the huge amount of excitement and love for this whole project that these developers talk about. There was, there was like a bankless podcast where one of the podcast hosts went, went to this conference and was telling us about all the great stuff that developers were coming up with. And I see these projects all the time. Part of the reason there are so many different coins and different projects is because all of these guys are building on top of something like Ethereum and they just absolutely love it. It's, it's basically unleashed so much creativity. So, yeah, so my, my criteria, and people might have different ones, but my criteria is technology. So is this, you know, an important foundational or pioneering piece of technology? Is the leadership team, the people who are developing it, really excellent? And is there customer love? Is there market traction? Do we, can we show that this is a product that people actually want? And if you follow by those three kind of rules or guidelines, then that's a, good, that's a good start for finding a great project. Yeah,
0: and that itself is going to keep you busy. Like every time you see a project, if you can do those three things and like actually note them down and probably do research, you'll be able to probably understand more than like 99% of people in crypto, which is a bit sad, but also means that there's a lot of opportunity out there. And I think before we wrap up, I'm really curious. I know that you definitely are very interested in like the societal and anthropological perspective of crypto. What makes you really interested about this? Because we're genuinely curious to see, because of course, like Elana and I were very biased about what makes us interested. But I'm sure you got some different opinions too.
1: Yeah, I guess I think that there's just this whole aspect of decentralization. And I think I think what really struck me was Hunter's example of a woman working as a maid or whatever in the US who's from Guatemala. She's sending money back to her family. And she gets 10% deducted. And I think for me, like that is just, it's so indicative of the banking system and how they don't have to put that 10% on. And I think it's just so indicative of how people are getting ripped off and people like not ripped off, but I guess like the banking system does take quite a big proportion of people's money. And I guess for me, I just think it's something that I really want to support. And it makes me feel like, I don't know, it just sort of makes me feel quite good about myself, because I understand that people in developing nations are able to build a little bit more of financial future for themselves with a greater understanding of crypto in particular, once that all starts happening, and once a lot more information about it starts coming, I think that people in developing nations, it's going to be a very big asset for them. I don't know, it was a country in Africa, and I don't know what you guys were saying, it was a I think I heard it this morning because I was listening to your last podcast this morning, not to plug, but, and it was like 40% of people in this African country are using crypto. And I think it just makes money so much more accessible for so many people, which I just think is such a big issue because I'm like, I'm an international relations student and I I didn't know anything about, the economy or i'm not very mathematically minded but i think even for students and even for young people where we see boomers and how rich they are and there's just not a lot of i think opportunity to build wealth for young people and people in developing nations so i think that crypto is a really interesting way for that to happen and it's just opening up a lot of opportunities for a lot of people i think if we were able to get a lot more education about it which i think you guys are doing so yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, Yeah, without a doubt, it's definitely financial freedom. And to follow up the, it was Nigeria that you were talking about. So over 13 million different cryptocurrency users in Nigeria, which is huge. It's actually third in all of the countries in the world. First is India with over a hundred million US with over 27 and Nigeria with over 13, but they're very sus numbers. I just got from triple AAA websites, very suspicious. Anyway, on that note, with that incredible quality information, I think we should probably wrap it up there. Thank you so much, Ruby, for popping on. Definitely do appreciate your time. And yeah, thanks for popping in. It's really been a great chat just about like how to get started with investing, value investing, crypto, dollar cost averaging, and all that juicy stuff that we probably skimmed over the few past few episodes. We got a, we got a bit too excited. Sorry that Hunter couldn't be here today, but Elan definitely did the job and definitely helped me out. So thank you so much, Ruby, and see you guys in the next podcast. And don't forget to leave any questions, queries, comments, and any feedback. Um, it's definitely very much appreciated. and We can definitely want to hear about how we can improve this podcast. See you guys.